Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I have this awesome man, Casey Garrity. He's a licensed therapist. Uh, thank you for being on the show, Casey. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you, more about like your what you do, how you work with clients, who are your clients, and um, how do you help people? Yeah, yeah. So as you said, I'm a licensed therapist, um, LSW in the state of New Jersey. I um, originally, so, you know, uh, just give a little backstory of how I got to this point. Um, because when I was younger, being a therapist was not what I thought was going to happen. I was <laughs> Men like, run away from therapy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know? And this is now something that's coming up totally organically, something that we haven't even discussed beforehand, but right. that is the reality. Like, me a therapist because I grew up as a very um, athletic, uh, whatever popular, like had girlfriends, whatever, um, had some embodiment of, I don't know, I guess the male archetype. And, um, and it was through my own uh, search for, you know, meaning, purpose, truth in my life that I ended up at this, at this juncture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I couldn't be happier. You know, I couldn't be happier doing this work. And I am so grateful because I get to work right now. I work with a lot of men. I've worked with women as well, especially my um, internship. I worked at a, at a local uh, college, but I um, get to work with a lot of men and men in that age, the age group that we call uh, emerging adulthood now, which is 18 to 25. It's kind of this new uh, arena of life that's been carved out. That's characterized by a, by a ton of uncertainty. <laughs> and like, you know, 30 years ago, people weren't staying in college as long as they are now, or maybe um, getting assistance from their family as much as they are now, or, or, or lots of other things. And so the I guess the trajectory of life has changed quite a bit. And so now yeah. we carve out this new area of life called emerging adulthood, 18 to 25. And that's um, a good amount of my clients are in that age group. I also work with uh, clients. I have a few clients that are younger, teenage, like just entering into teenage years. It seems also, you know, as everyone knows, adolescence is a turbulent time. So um, they show up in my office, which is great. I love being able to impact at that level as well. Yeah. And then I even have, you know, eight-year-old client right now and then up to 35-year-old men and... Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, me and we just recently, last week, just did a podcast. And so, you know, with him and his girlfriend, with yeah. the relationships. <laughs> and oh, and um, I wish that podcast is coming out next week uh, with all three of us. So make sure you guys check that out. And, yeah, yeah. you know, so as I was listening to you, I like a really, you know, really connected and resonated with a lot of things that we were talking about, especially about men. Yeah. And so, you know, we decided I decided to like reach out to you and say, Hey, let's create something around men and what men struggle with and what we're dealing with. And you came up with four great uh topics mm, um, yeah. that a lot of men that I see that I coach struggle with and friends and family and men in general struggle with these things and we're just gonna go through, you know, 
for them and just like just break down and be of hopefully be of service to men that are listening to this um so so one of the first things uh that you know casey brought to my attention is like uh self-expression that men keep things stuffed down so you know so i'm just my posing my question to you like why do you think that men uh have a hard time expressing themselves and keep his stuff stuff down because i know from from for sure for me that i struggle i used to struggle with that a lot from your um your sessions with your clients what do you notice like what do you think and what did you maybe share with what you have struggled with uh being self-expressed yeah that's a great question um it's definitely the first thing that came to mind and it's the first thing that comes to mind uh, thinking about you know, some of the cases and clients that I'm working with right now is this idea of self-expression. And it's honestly something that I've struggled with for a lot of my life. I would say probably 28 years of it. It's only been really recently that I've felt like I've had the space to, to express my inner thoughts. Um, and so I think for men, it, it, I don't have a list exactly of, you know, all the different factors because it is certainly, um, diverse. All the factors I would say are pretty diverse uh, that contribute to this like lack of self-expression. I would say part of it is environmental. Mm-hmm. I would say a large part of it is environmental. Um, at some point, at some point in time, um, a lot of us men may have been self-expressed and gotten rejected or shut down or shunned because of yeah. it. And even thinking about myself, and this is something we talked about, you know, just recently. Uh, you know, my dad would always say, "Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop right. feeling sorry for yourself." Um, and I would say that's also akin to this underlying, or sorry, this underlying principle in our culture, like men don't cry. Right? Yeah. That's a underlying principle. And I feel like those two are pretty connected. Like we're just not supposed to show emotion. It's like stoicism, right? Marcus Aurelius stoicism right. is like really heralded as this. I like, the book, I think. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> as this uh, incredible like way to be, right? Don't be affected by anything too much. Right. Hold and, the armor up. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hold the armor up. And that for me is how I lived a ton of my life. Right. And so, yeah, because I was just really sharing with you with that, that phone call and actually, which prompted me to rewatch this uh, documentary called The Mass That We Live In. Um, mm. And based off some other things that I studied and read and um, a lot of it, like I was telling you before, are these old beliefs that men um, hold on to. And it's some of the specific things that they were talking about, like, you know, the biggest thing, theme that they kept saying over and over again, and even show clips of uh, the uh, the um, the uh, the documentary was showing clips of like parents saying, "Don't cry, suck it up." All these yeah. coaches and stuff like that. And one of the the guys, uh, the coach, he was an ex NFL um, coach. He was saying, he said, "Those things don't work." Um, with men, he's like, especially, you know, he he was just sharing like he was on the play, playing field one day. I think he was the coach, the head of the coach for the Kansas, Kansas City Chiefs, and he was like, I saw a lot of my uh, guys were in their head. They were dealing with things, and I can't put them out on the field if I don't tackle what's going on inside. Mm-hmm, so he decided mm-hmm. to change the way he approached each guy instead of asking them what they're doing to the feel, ask them. What are you dealing with at home that's probably affecting you right now? And he said that changed the way the guy started to play on the field because he 
allowed them to express and get it out and not hold in this pent up aggression. And so the mm-hmm. men started to be more freer, more open. And it also changed dynamic within the team because the team kept were even more supportive, even more connected, even more closer once he started to change the conversation with each mm-hmm. and every man on the team. So yeah. going back to what you're saying, like mm-hmm. a lot of these old beliefs that I found that men hold on to um, stuff down their expression uh, from in love, relationships, all work, um, yeah. all mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's they 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 stuff down their expression, and I don't think because you can't really quantify this. It's incredibly difficult to quantify. Like if you were to do a right. study on this, and to be honest, I haven't looked, but I would imagine that very few exist. Like, what is the effect of um, years and years of suppressed self expression on mm-hmm. on on just how you are being in your daily life? Because yeah. right? if if you're constantly stuffing down ex- ex- uh, self expression, then um, every minute you're in a social interaction, you're basically self-censoring. Right. Like, don't say this, say this. Like I can't be, uh, I can't overexpose myself too much. I can't be too vulnerable. Right. And that's exhausting. And it know? affects relationships over and over again. Like if I, was, exactly. like, I was sharing with you the podcast, um, where do we begin? And like, if you, like, I'm not sure if you started listening to it, but when you hear the man and they're in this couple session with Esther Perel, like they can't like a lot of them can't even articulate or and she i don't know how she does it but she's able to articulate the therapist the few words that he's saying with um uh with with the wife and they Mm -hmm. all have this pent up and um expression they can't express themselves or really um allow themselves to articulate emotional intelligence and i was gonna i remember sharing a story with you about um november which is like a men's awareness month in november which is called november which started in ireland and um and uh they created this podcast and one of the podcasts um very short-lived podcast one of the men uh, it was like a, a straightforward interview, like you don't hear any, anybody else but the, the man who's talking. And so yeah. in the interview, the man, he was explaining how he tried to commit suicide three times yeah. and he failed three times. Mm-hmm. And he was explaining to him, to uh, the interviewer, that he's like, because I had cancer. And I couldn't tell anyone. And I was a sergeant on the force. And if I told anyone that I had cancer, then they were going to move me to an office. They're going to think of me differently. I didn't even tell my family. Like right. I would just, I, and I would just dying inside and just tell someone. And then finally, on the third attempt, the doc, the doctor asked him uh, some questions. And he was like, "I think you need to see a therapist," because he had been avoiding <laughs> seeing yeah. a therapist. And finally, he got to see a therapist. He said that was the journey of his healing because he was able to express his healing, what he was dealing with, and he started. He was cancer-free for a couple of years because he was able to get it out and not hold it all in. Mm. Are you saying um, that it's possible there might have been a connection between his ability to free himself up mentally and his recovery to can- through cancer uh, of cancer? Yeah, there's been a lot of studies, like especially with uh, uh, 
uh, not Esther Perel, uh, Louise Hayes, she had cancer. So when, mm-hmm. you know, she had stage, actually she had stage four cancer. And remember she told the doctor, she said, okay, wait, I'm going to do something first before I go into chemotherapy. And one of the things she started to do is look at where she was uh, unexpressed, mm-hmm. where she hasn't mm-hmm. said things to certain people, what she was holding back, what like all these things. And she started to tackle each one of them. And then within six months, her cancer got clear. Now, I'm not saying like that's the root thing. Like there's right. many other things that cancer causes, but there has been a number of, um, even Wayne Dyer talks about the same exact thing, how it, um, he started to heal himself from cancer, like the root of like all these pent up things that he was holding back, even mm-hmm, in um, mm-hmm. Dr. Cam, um, in the book, The Anatomy of the Spirit, I forgot the doctor's name. Um, but anyway, she, lay, she breaks down the body um, and she, like in all the diseases where the body ha- um, lies, and then right. within those diseases, she put the the root causes um, uh, of each disease in the body. And even uh, Louise Hayes, you can heal your life. She also breaks down the body and the problem that's associated with the body. Mm. And I was like, ooh, like because I used to have a lot of back problems, and when back right. problems was. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, connected to money and so and I was like oh that like every time I have a money issue that I, I noticed how my body feels so when we have issues we hold it in our body like there's a book called The Body Keeps Score and so they talk about how when you book. go through yeah when you go through issues you, yeah you hold it within your body and everybody holds different placements for different issues in different parts of their body yeah yeah, that's so true. I, uh, yeah, I tend to, um, well, right, I tend to hold stress in my gut. So mm. I have like GI problems. And oh. uh, yeah, when I went through that uh, particularly turbulent period of my life, I was like, you know, having GI problems. <laughs> um, luckily, I, you know, I was probably young enough that it was, you know, I was able to uh, resolve it on its own. But, you know, years and years and years of that, I mean, there's no telling what the long-term damage of that is. Yeah, yeah. So how did so how did you? Yeah. Well, how can men? How well? First, how did you start to step into your self-expression? Yeah, I think um, for me, and I remember everyone's story is going to be a little bit different. But the the genesis of that for me would be at first it was developing a lot of insight um, through yeah. like. So, like recovery, twelve-step stuff. I'm, I'm involved. I was involved in that um, therapy, and you know, going back uh, 10, 11 years, and I was able to develop a lot of insight. The the thing that I still was, uh, even though I had a ton of insight, and um, I was still unable to express that outwardly uh, mm-hmm. for for fear of it being rejected or fear of um, hurting somebody, um, particularly my girlfriends at the time. Uh, and so I, you know, didn't feel like I had the space to really, to really say very much, but I was developing inside. I was taking a look at myself. I was expressing these things to my, you know, some of my, you know, male friends, um, not all of them still keeping some things in. Um, and eventually I stayed with therapy and I got to the point where I was in another relationship that was, uh, going down in flames i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
another relationship that was going down in flames and still the thing that was missing was I was still unable to be self-expressed and to freely express my thoughts and feelings because once again that same those same ideas were there you know I'm gonna break this poor girl's heart by saying some of these things that are on my mind even though they weren't really based in reality that wasn't the point it was just like I just needed I just needed to express them to to Mm -hmm. my significant other and I didn't feel like I had the space to do that because they were going to get offended and whatever. And some of that might've been true. And some of that was on me. That's a different conversation. Uh, but really I, I, I credit a lot of it with being in so much pain that I had no other choice. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow. I was in, yeah, I was in so much pain. I was suffering so much, uh, like clinical levels of depression. I'm a therapist. So I know how to diagnose depression, anxiety. I had both of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. I saw you lean into the mic. Were you going to say something? No, no, it's okay. Yeah. I just want to just, um, I'm just like, wow. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, clinical levels of depression, anxiety from this, uh, really. And as we were talking right before the podcast, this is really where I started questioning. Um, I wasn't having suicidal thoughts, but I was really beginning to question just the, the, the nature of life and existence and mm. what are we all doing here? And, and, you know, <laughs> birds, some death anxiety, which was great for my personal growth. Honestly, right. Oh God. <laughs> but it really came down to this point. I'm in a relationship now where I'm confronted with that, um, same fork in the road. Either I hold on to this and I'm going to be anxious and depressed and miserable again, or I express myself. And the benefit uh, outweighs the cost for sure. And 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 also my partner, and I give a lot of credit to her, and I know not everyone's going to have a partner as understanding as mine is, but my partner is very understanding and she's able to hold a lot of the things that I tell her, some of the uncertainties of myself right. and my life and the relationship and, and not internalize and not take it personal. She's able right. to see that it's a reflection of you know me, not her. So, right. And I, and, I, and I, since I know your girlfriend, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's also because we all have done this sort of uh, personal development work and the same program that we did, you know, you know, a lot of it is really, and this is where I see pe- men or people in general that struggle in relationships, especially one of my uh, particular relationship I'm thinking about right now is that, you know, your, your girlfriend has the, or has learned or has the ability, especially her whole family has done this program, has the ability to really just listen and not take what you are saying as like you're like a threat right. or like there's something about me like well like she has a and she also has the ability to look at herself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and not take what you say make it mean anything because the minute you make what i say mean triggers some kind of insecurity some kind of like panic attack some kind of like threat or like causes um, like pain with each other. Your go- yeah. your girlfriend has that ability to not. And I wish that people would learn like learn to like. Um, that's actually a, a, a therapy technique called the Imago Dialogue, where you're just there to ask a question. You listen and repeat, and, it's, and it has nothing to do with you. You're just there to receive what the other person is saying and understand. That's mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. the more people just like Olivia, just like taking what you were, you're almost sound like it's, she's taking what you're saying, receiving it. And like, I guess, you know, repeating it back to you, just to make sure that you are heard. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that helps so much in relationships. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is what I teach. Um, 
relationships in, in, in relationships and working with, you know, other couples or even with a, you know, parent and a 13 year old kid is exactly what you said. That reflective listening, you tell yeah. me something and I reflect it back to you using my own words. If you don't feel like I got it, then you correct me. Right. It's such, it's, oh my God, it's such a powerful so tool. Simple. It is. It really is, you know. So <laughs> <simple>. <laughs> That's all it is. It and is. It is. You'd be amazed. Um, and I do that, in, you know, just one-on-one when I'm working with men and, and you know, coming back to the self-expression piece that we're talking about here is that it's amazing. It, it's, it's mind-blowing to me how quickly I would say at least half of my patients begin feeling better in the first probably four or five sessions just because they have someone who's sitting there listening to them, doing the reflective listening, repeating right. back what they said and just not judging it. That's it. Right. It's and so they funny. immediately get better. Yeah, it's so, it's so funny, <laughs> right? Because I was sharing with you, um, one of my straight friends, you know, he... Um, he came over to my, we've been doing a podcast here and I was, I was recently, I was coaching him and we had to do a finish up um, the podcast. We're going to have lunch together here and like make order food and eat at my apartment. And so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he started sharing these really personal things with me. And I was like, what? I was like, not like I was grateful that he was sharing it with me, but I was like, I said, you're I was like you're this is really personal I was like why did you why did you share this with me because I didn't ask for it he goes I feel really comfortable with you you allow me to express and be myself right. and I was like really and he said yeah he's like, I can't do this with my straight friends but he's, <laughs> he's like I said like, you just like you just listen to me and not judge me and not like you just you just somehow get me and I was like Uh, Mm Ah, you know, because I don't like I just don't take what he says personal. I don't like judge him. I don't like criticize what he's doing. I just listen to and offer something. If not, then I just move on. I don't just don't take anything on. I don't take his stuff on. Right, right. And uh, I think, right, you you brought up something once again, really, really important that um, that that crossed my mind and. I had this old therapist, well, not old therapist, but a therapist from a while ago. He he was big in this old school psychology, like Freudian, um, uh, Jungian, like school of thought, which uh, I actually have come to find some value in. Anyway, they talked a lot about archetypes, like these um, certain, I guess, patterns that men and women fall into. Mm -hmm. And like the female archetype that he would talk about, and this is, of course, just a, a generalization, and this doesn't apply to everybody, but the female archetype often um, there's this filter that this information goes through and we have an art, we have a filter as well. Men have a filter as well. And I could talk about that, but for women, it seems like this filter is, you know, is he going to leave me? Does he really love me? And it seems like with Mm. at least other women that I've dated that constantly comes up. And when that's, and so when you are filtering it through that, it seems like these things, if I'm going to talk about uncertainty is going to go through that filter and that fear is going to be triggered. right? Right. And then, then maybe you go on the offensive and then you get hurt and then you get, you know, once again, fearful and, uh, and, and it's not about, and, and it's not about that. It's just like you, like we're talking about, it's just about sitting there and listening to what I'm saying. And, right. and, and that, that's enough to clear it up usually. Right. And I know you say that because that, what you just said to me, filter comes up when in my training, we call it, um, core beliefs. So everybody mm-hmm. has a core belief about themselves and what sounds like what you're saying most 
well, what I'm hearing is like the filter that most women deal with is I am alone. So or he's uh, the men always leave. So yeah. if that's your core belief and that's your idea about men. Then you look for those things. You're like constantly checking the phone. You're constantly doing this thing, or it's in, which also kind of affects the man because now he can't express them, express himself because now he feels like I, I'm not good enough. What am I doing? Nothing. I'm wrong. Everything. Yeah, she always yeah. likes all over me. And like, you know, I had a client, he was so frustrated with his girlfriend. Like he felt like he, like she literally would call him as he leave the house. He, she, cause he used to like do teach me yoga too. And he would come over here. She would call. He had to check in with her when yeah. he got here. He had to check in when he left. Like it was just, he was like, it's driving me insane. Yeah. And I said, you know, she has a belief. She doesn't trust men. And that, that trust was that, that belief about men was there before you. Yes. And it was, it was her mother passing that belief down to her, which was affecting their relationship. And so he felt that nothing that he ever could do was good enough for her. Mm-hmm. And it like mm-hmm. drove him crazy. He couldn't, he was so pent up. He couldn't express himself. He couldn't like anytime he tried to express himself, it just blows up. Into yeah. this whole thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's like, "I'm just trying to express myself to you. This is not an attack on you. I just want to be able to be free to express myself without leading to an argument." Yes, yeah, <laughs> and and uh, and right. So, and also, men aren't off the hook either because men, I would say, the one that comes up commonly uh, is is the neediness. She's needy. She's too yeah. needy. And I don't know if that's in reality or, or or wherever it is, but it seems like if that's you know the core belief, like I you know that women are going to be always needy, then that's exactly what I'm going to be attracting. Right, because <laughs> that then nothing she can do is like you know basically not good enough because like mm-hmm. she wants to spend time when she's needy, like she she just wants to spend time. With yeah, me. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, like if you don't give it any meaning and say, oh, like because actuality, you know. We were talking about love languages in the last podcast. The the partner is actually giving you a sign, like how to fill her love tank. Like I want to spend time with you. It's not about being needy. I, this is what I want from you to feel loved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. So I know we're right now we're talking a lot about um, just you know hetero couples. I'm curious uh, if if these archetypes or these um, patterns, these core beliefs, show up in your relationships. Oh, oh, all the time. Like, yeah. and how think, maybe they show up? Um, you know, um, because with gay men, yeah. you know, a lot of studies show that because gay men go through this process of so coming out can be very traumatic and very, mm-hmm. um, very. Uh, it's a it's a it's a moment in one's life that one starts to create a mask or a you know archetype for themselves um, in order to be able to come out to be confident. That's why, like in the gay community, there's all there's there's so many like subtitles of like 
things. And so all these subtitles, all like, you know, I'm a bear, I'm a twink, I'm all these, they all have core beliefs of like how they feel they should look. And so then gay men make sure they look, feel, walk, talk, dress that way and act that way. Even like saying Mm -hmm. bottom or top, like a top should be acting and behaving this way. Mm -hmm. A bottom should be acting and behave this way. We start to create these archetypes of gay men and then we make sure that that's just the way we are or, or mm-hmm. we um and so but we all have something and then love comes in and then something happens then we start to develop these core beliefs and also these core beliefs you know as you know they come from they were already there since childhood adolescence and stuff like that and so relationship just sort of like and coming out sort of triggers all triggers it so you know for me like um you know they show up i i they i think they just they walk for me they walk in the door like right from the beginning um and because uh you know, for a person who does a lot of like self-development, I'm a coach and I've sort of developed this ability to like, I can read people's like text messages or their profiles and I can see they're leading with that core belief or the archetype that, that created. Like, you know, like for instance, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I matched with a guy on like, I think Hinge or one of these dating apps, you know, and I was, originally I was skeptical of, um, uh, matching with uh, swiping right because the way his pictures were organized, I couldn't tell who, which one was the guy that I was looking at because he was with his attract, very attractive best friend mm-hmm. in the picture. So I was like, oh, it must be the tall guy because a tall guy was the common person in the um, the picture. So matched him, you know. And, you know, I, I think I sent him a message. I said, hey, handsome, how are you doing? And then he wrote back, are you sure you're referring to me? And I was like, I, I was so confused. And I was just like, what do you mean? He was like, are you not referring to my hot best friend in the picture who was straight? And I was like, no, I, I know who it is. He said, he said, because if you are, it's totally fine. I don't want to waste my time, you know? And I was just like, okay i said dude i don't think we're a match i said i really <laughs> want to be with someone who is confident in who they are yeah. and i i, I just stopped right. <laughs> him back yeah yeah it's a good read i would say <laughs> that's that's the first thing i thought about too is just a lack of self-confidence and not to get too into it but also it's i, I found that interesting that he included his friend in all those pictures as well right you have to include your friend in those pictures. <laughs> right <laughs> yeah they, but yeah nonetheless yeah um, we're going off on this expression things um so our next one yeah, is we move yeah. on responsibility so why did you feel that responsibility was you know something that men struggle with why i mean i I definitely agree with you like you know elaborate more on responsibility yeah yeah i think responsibility can you know pertain globally to our lives in a very major way but i think as it pertains to relationships um, i kind of see it played out in in one of two ways i think the the one way is um where men try to be overly responsible for the relationship just like everything that happens like this is 
this is their like identity basically yeah. and that and then they show up in therapy and they're crushed when their relationship's yeah. over and it takes them a year to get over it yeah go so ahead. you had mentioned before like being the burden of the breadwinner holding it all yeah. on your shoulders exactly yeah which, which i think is in some sense gives men a lot of uh you know gives them a lot of value to their yeah. lives um but and then on the other side of the spectrum i see uh people who are trying to evade the responsibility for the mm. relationship. They're like kind of that one foot in one foot out, uh, personality. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if you know anything about attachment theory. I, um, I, I'm familiar with uh, attachment theory. It's one, it's on my to-do list, but I, um, I know briefly, uh, I know about it. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is kind of a loose connection, but I still want to make the connection because, yeah. I think it's relevant. Which is, a, I, I, which I love the theory. I was just like, when I, <laughs> yeah. uh, there's an app that you can listen to the books like for um, five minutes, and I was like, holy shit! Like <laughs> everybody needs to read this book, attachment, and learn yeah. how they attach. It's it's like a critical yes, yes book to read. I had the I have the audio book. And oh. so that's, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll have to give you my login. So, but I, I, th- I think of that when I think of responsibility because of the way that it shows up, right? So, in attachment theory, um, you have sort of three main attachments, and on the and on the front side, the person who's like overly responsible for the relationship, mm-hmm. I would say, is more the anxiously attached person. Like they're just fearful. They're fear. They're 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 overly responsible because they're af- afraid of losing something from the relationship. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the avoidant attachment. And um, the avoidant attachment is that kind of like one foot in, one foot out. You never really quite know how they feel about you. And it's almost like they're not taking enough responsibility for the relationship. They're, you know, it's the type of guy that maybe you're dating for, um, I mean, I don't know. Everyone's a little bit different, but for maybe like two years, this is kind of a over, um, I'm kind of going over on the, over the top of this one, but you're dating for two years and he hasn't said, I love you yet. You know, like you just, after two years, you don't know how he feels about you. And, and in that sense, he's just not taking enough responsibility for the for the relationship. And of course, there's that really happy medium ground. There's that secure attachment where, Um, where it's very healthy. I feel like there's a healthy amount of responsibility. The person knows when when it's on them to take ownership and when it's not on them to take ownership of yep. you know, what's transpiring within the relationship. Uh, and there's a lot more to it. And once again, I know it's a loose um, association, but... I really love it if you brought that yeah. up because as you were talking, I I can recall the study that was, that was created. They did a study on children and they put, I don't know if you remember this, but they put them all in a room. Yeah. And they tested the theory and they had all the children and all the parents in the room. They're playing, playing. And so at one point, they tell, somehow they signal to the parents to leave. Mm-hmm. So all the parents mm-hmm. leave the room and you start to see people's attach, the children's attachment. The child who was um, secure um, was playing like just didn't wasn't screaming and the the, the uh, i forgot the the attachment theories now but um yeah no um but the other one the, the one that was wasn't secure was crying screaming one of the parents and so then they had to if their child was screaming or looking concerned the parent had to go back to the room so the child who was uh not secure would go immediately to the parent and the right. child that was sort of off and on kind of 
go into the parent or check in, but go into the parent, check in, and then the parent mm-hmm. who had the responsible kid, the kid didn't even go to the parent at all. They were just like, yeah. you're just fine. I see you from here. I'm good. And yeah. you keep on doing what they're doing. Yeah, it's a famous, famous study. Uh, it's called <laughs> a strange situation. I think the strange situation, perhaps. I think that's what it's called. But yeah, I mean, that was, that was pretty much spot on, you know, and, and, and that the idea with that is that that's uh, how we react that early from an age um, will determine how we are in relationships for the rest of our life. Right. Pretty much. Oh, God. It is, unless we do something to change it, of course. Yeah, unless we, exactly. Um, you know, um, I mean, well, how do you find balance um, within that responsibility? Um, you know, and I, go back to this, you know, I was sharing with you, I think it's, um, it's Brene Brown. I think the video is the power of vulnerability. And she was saying how, when she wrote Darren Greatly, she was in a, a book tour and a man came up to her and he was like, well, where are the men in this book? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And she was like, right. Cause I, she, she barely, she only mostly focused on women. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of loosely talking about men in the book. And then she's like, well, you're in there. He's like, no, you know, this is what you want. You know, most women want to keep the image of me on the white horse. Like I'm the knight in a shiny armor and there is nothing. I cannot be anything else but that. And mm-hmm. the minute I mm-hmm. fall off my white horse and I look weak or like I can't do it, then you're done with me. You're off, you know, um, basically off with my head. And so... Yeah. You know, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a really good one. Like how, you know, that responsibility for men, it's like, it's real. And they feel like they have to prove because God knows when my first relationship, I just thought I had to just take the burden of everything, you know, just like, yeah, I had to clean and do all the laundry and do all this to like help make this person happy. And I did like, you know, make sure that we're good here, good there. And I was just like, I, I was exhausted, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and it wasn't a balanced relationship. Mm-hmm, so I'm just curious mm-hmm. of like, how, what do you think of how, how have you learned how to create that balance mm-hmm. um, with being responsible and being okay with, you know, I don't need to be responsible right now. Yeah, it's a lot easier said than done. I'll say that. It's not always <laughs> it is, clear. I, know. I think um, I think what is incredibly helpful, what has been incredibly helpful for me, uh, is understanding that when I'm taking ownership for something, that doesn't mean that I'm admitting I'm wrong. <laughs> right. And I think that's what prevents us from taking ownership of something is that we think that I'm admitting the feet, I'm admitting that I'm wrong, and now you're going to walk all over me and do as you want. Or now, uh, you know, because I was wrong, I'm weak. Yeah. It's not that. For me, the way that I balance it is that when I notice something, <clears throat> an area maybe where I've fallen short or I've taken a misstep, perhaps I said something that uh, was mean or hurtful or perhaps just the way that I'm being like right now, as I explained in, in, in the, um, you know, my relationship, like my girlfriend is very, very driven, like just super crushing it right daily. (laughs) (laughs) Just a straight freaking powerhouse locomotive moving quick all the time. And me, I'm more laid back. I'm more chill. Not saying I'm not getting anything done. There's, I could probably do more. Totally understand that. And we're starting a business together, right? And she is doing a lot of the work right now. And through that, she's, you know, getting really upset with me. And I think for me, 
the major different, you know, the major differentiation for me is that I'm not taking responsibility for her being upset. That's on her. Right. If she's upset, that's something she needs to own. However, what I am taking responsibility is on how I'm being. Is perhaps yeah. I'm not being the best person that I could be, and and perhaps that it and perhaps that is having an impact on you. Yeah. And I feel like that's the balance. Is and and something you said um, about the previous that previous relationship the thing that i picked up on in there was that i just uh you said i want to make them happy i want to make sure that you're happy and i come to realize that i don't have that power right i think (laughs) (laughs) i don't have that power (laughs) which is an old belief like when people say you know um hold on um that that i i just want to make you happy i don't i want to make you happy it's such a burden awaits and a huge responsibility to try to make someone happy and that learning 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 and getting that really changed a lot for me and I remember and I think I really got it um there's an episode with um, Will Smith and Jada Pickett on the Red Table Jada Pickett show and they were it was a two-part with Will Smith and Jada talking about their marriage and which I didn't know had they had gone through this whole struggle, you know, for two years. And wow. yeah. and then Will said to her one day, it's not my responsibility to make you happy. It's your mm-hmm. responsibility to make you happy. And it's my responsibility to make me happy. So we're going to go our separate ways, um, which they separate ways was other parts of the house. And you're going <laughs> to learn how to make you happy. That's what they said. Other parts and of their McMansion. Yeah, their McMansion, this big ass house. $40 million dollar house in Calabasas. <laughs> I mean, they, they showed the house actually too, that he quote unquote built for her. He was uh, like, yeah. no, he was like, that was my own display of my ego. I wasn't, mm. I was trying to make her happy. God, it I love was that just honesty. Me. It's a, and, and it, it, like, it's such the most honest, like, how and they both not like you did this and that and the the, the 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 video, but they're like both like sharing how they were taking responsibility, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they both had to go have their own separate therapist, do their own research, read their own books, and then come back and like discuss, you know, and yeah, yeah, that was like a really like I was like, oh, that's so good. Like mm-hmm. everybody needs to hear that podcast, that um, that podcast, that show of like. You know, it is not my responsibility to make you happy. It's not your responsibility mm-hmm. to make me make me happy. I'm responsible for my own happiness. And right. if you can really like really get that to the core, I, I think I mean it it it'll change your life with not just relationships, but <laughs> in general. Yeah. That's a major, major distinction that takes people a really long time to get to, if they get to it at all. Yeah. Um, but how freeing it is. And there's also this other part too, I think, which is important to mention as well, is that could seem a little cold. I think to some yeah, people. Yeah, it can. Like if you're upset, then, you know, then go after yourself. You're just going to be upset <laughs> and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to have any empathy for that. But that's not what I'm, you know, it's definitely not what right. I'm saying. Like when, when, when my partner's upset, like I have empathy for that. And I am, the language that we use, um, is I am a stand for her happiness. So mm, like I'm not that. responsible for her to be happy, but I am responsible for, um, at least the way that I look at it, I'm responsible for coaching her as best as I can towards her own fulfillment and happiness. Like, how can I help? Granted, some people aren't coachable. Granted, 
some people aren't going to respond. <laughs> a lot of people. Granted, you know, but that's the thing. I'm not attached to that outcome. What's right. more important for me is that I'm showing up for you. Mm, um, yeah. And then in return, I know that uh, also, and I don't need you to show up for me, but hopefully you will show up for me when right. when the time comes. And that's how, you know, and that's how we work it is that right. we show up for each other when we're, you know, getting pissed off and making each other wrong and yeah. bad and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really love what you just said about, you know, uh, showing up, taking a stand for your happiness and not, you know, and it brought me back to um, this podcast. I listen to a lot of these relationship things and <laughs> yeah. uh, take it on. I, I teach my clients, you know, it's really good information. Like, you know, and uh, it was Oprah and Alicia Keys. They put out this podcast <clears throat> recently. Um, and Oprah had brought up um, Alicia Keys and um, Swiss Beats relationship, their marriage. And she goes, you know, you two have this really awesome, incredible relationship. How do you create such a powerful relationship? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that she said was, and, and I, this is a kidding, what you saying, like they really understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and because they understand each other's weaknesses, they know how to step in when the other person is weak and know how to not make the other person wrong when they are weak. And they know how mm-hmm. um, to nurture that weakness so that person can grow in that area. So for, so for example, she gave an example. She says, like, when we're collaborating together, she goes, he is very, like, flow, like, just going with the flow kind of that way she goes i wish i could create know how to be in that flow she said but i have to have structure in order to have flow and he doesn't have structure so i bring the structure where he brings the flow so it, it balances each other out and yeah. i not i don't make him wrong because he has no structure but how he works is how he works and he respects the fact that I bring in structure and he recognized that I bring in structure and mm-hmm. I recognize he brings in flow and I respect his flow because I'm trying to tap into my flow. So we, we, we nurture each other weaknesses and we nurture each other's strength and we utilize each other's strength. Yeah. Yeah. That's very well said. I mean, that's a great example. That yeah. Really and I was just like, damn, that's a good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and also like, uh, you know, we talked about earlier, talking about Eckhart Tolle, you mm-hmm. know, and I was sharing with you on a phone call is that, you know, one of the things, you know, again, Oprah and him, they did this podcast series uh, on the new earth. And this also clicked for me too, because, um, one of the number one reasons why men commit suicide is like when they leave some corporate job or get uh, laid off, mm-hmm. they it's really high risk for that man to commit suicide because they yeah. have identified themselves as that job. They hadn't separate themselves. So the I am a lawyer, I am a this. So when you're saying things like that, you're, you know, it's the responsibility of that and it's taken away causes mm-hmm. depression and i was like when he said that's like oh my god i have to learn how to separate myself from these things because i catch myself saying those things and if i am not if i wasn't that today will i be okay with who i am and not yeah. carry the burden of that responsibility and i was like oof a lot of men really struggle with that taking on that burden 
Yeah, they really do. They definitely <laughs> do. I mean, without a doubt, it's. Uh, I think the most at risk men, and I don't want to fact check this, but for our listeners, you should definitely fact check this. <laughs> I believe it's middle aged men. Yeah. Um, who I'm not sure unemployed or have recently just become unemployed. I'm one of those two. Those are the most at risk for committing suicide. Right. Yeah. It's like you lose, you know, what what tethers you to like having some responsibility, which is like value and purpose in your life, is no longer there. You're then you're left in the morass and the abyss. You're directionless. You don't know what you're doing anymore. You know, everything that you were building in your yeah. life is now, you know, gone. And so, what do yeah. you do? Like. You know, can you rebuild it? Of course you can, but at the time you don't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our next one is uh, creativity. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was like learning how to create and tap into my creativity in this current state of the world. You know, um, so why do you feel that yeah. man? And you know, uh, struggle with creativity because I, you know, I'm gonna I'm again preference reference to Brene Brown how she, you know. Um, she was talking about how all these corporate people want to talk about innovation and how to grow and but they don't want to talk about vulnerability and she's like well you know creativity is creativity is the birthplace of vulnerability without vulnerability you have no creativity you have no innovation you have mm-hmm. you, you you because people can't express themselves yeah. so without yeah. that like creativity doesn't really exist yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, as you know, our listeners might even begin to start realizing is that even though we've brought up separate ideas, these ideas are really interconnected and there's yeah. a relationship between all of them. And and so um, self-expression is connected to creativity without a doubt. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think um, once again, when we are so suppressed in our self-expression, um it's really hard to find creative space because we're so concentrated on not once again, overexposing ourselves, not being too vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, not doing the quote unquote wrong thing, not embarrassing ourselves, not looking weak, not whatever, blah, 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 blah. That, you know, if that's what I'm thinking about all the time, then where's the space for creativity? Where can right. I find my flow state? I can't because I'm so over concerned with just my, uh, you know, how I'm looking. <laughs> right. And I, I agree. Like, you know, I know for me, some of the things that really hindered my creativity is like basic childhood. Like, you know, I was, I, I was from elementary to high school, like, you know, raising my hand and being made fun of of some some creative thing that I've done or being laughed at really hindered me a lot. Like sometimes I won't raise my hand or sometimes I won't speak up because that underlining um, childhood trauma really stopped me. So for me, I, I luckily I found out what the root thing was, but most people don't know that, you know, a lot of our root issues, especially with creativity, um, even though I was in an honors art class, <laughs> you know, like we were like five of us in this class, yeah. you know, um, um, it really just being made fun of, like mm-hmm. really hindered my creativity. And I carried that with me and I forgot about it, but it really created, uh, really hindered me throughout most of my, yeah. adult, my, my, mm-hmm. my adult life. Until I recognized, oh, I can like really work on that and let that go. Yeah, yeah. I think that's something that um, men need to be responsible for too, as a, I guess, as a group or whatever you want to say, is that we, uh, 
once again, still have this rigid idea of what it means to be a man. And yeah. uh, creativity is perhaps not something that would show up. I'm sure if you pulled, you know, a hundred men on the street, what it means to be a man, I would be very surprised if any of them said creativity. You, right. know, you gave them three choices. Still, I'm sure none of them would say creativity, but I feel like uh, creativity is so integral to, um, to to who we are and 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 how and and our success right as you said well um uh well you didn't say success but that's what i was thinking when you said the you know creativity yeah. vulnerability is birthplace of creativity right and then creativity leads to some form of success usually for ourselves because that's where all great ideas come from um but really at the core of it i feel like being um being a man is 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 um an extreme uh, is is directly linked with creativity. Yeah. Um, well, being human is directly linked with uh, creativity. Yeah. yeah. And so, trying to find that creative space is not always easy because, once again, I don't think men are necessarily taught what creativity is. Aren't really given a uh, good definition of it. Um, you know, once again, we're kind of taught this sort of rigid way to look at life and how to sort of transition through life. You go to school, you go to college, you get a job for this amount of time. You play sports, right? It'll be exactly. Rough and tough, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very because, rigid, right? You know, linear that, path. Because a lot of men life. and children, as they grow up, you know, like especially when I was in, in high school, God, if I was in an arts class, like because I was like a heavier kid, um, the the football coaches would be hunting me down. Like, you need to be on a football <laughs> team. You you don't be in this classroom. Yeah, be right. on the football team. Be on a football team. You should be doing this on the football team. You should be in it. I'm just like. And it really pushed me away that I didn't want to do that. And I remember one specific, specific moment at home, like my, my family was the same way. Everybody loved football. And I yeah. was like, I don't want to be like that person who <laughs> like, loved football. And I remember yeah. one moment where my grand I was watching something on the, the living room TV. My grandfather came and turned into football and everybody came in a room watched football and I was so pissed so I mm-hmm. left the room mm-hmm. I went in my mom's room I turned on the TV and I watched ballet and I was just like, <laughs> and I was like I don't want to watch great. football because I was like being Perfect. rebellious yeah. <laughs> against like the football watchers but um but it is like men we get made fun of when we're tapping into trying some at least for me um, some creative endeavor, some kind of art thing. There was like barely any boys or men, boys in any of my arts class. They were all, on, even though I was in sports too, um, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's true. It's interesting how this, so this comes up right now because as you know, we're filming this during the coronavirus uh, and so everyone's on lockdown and a lot of my clients, they don't, have anything to do yeah like they don't know what to do with themselves and so part of the work i'm doing now with a lot of them is like trying to explore things that might interest them creatively you know yeah. is it i mean reading i think can be creative writing of course can be creative art can be creative building something can be you know creative but i feel like a lot of uh men they just they've never even considered it they've never explored right. that part of yeah. themselves and so right now they're struggling that the the thing that comes up a lot is boredom and i'm like okay 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 well what can we create you know what can you create for yourself boredom is uh, if you're feeling bored, that's your responsibility, you know, to, right. to create it's, something you're new. You're to be bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. 
And um, I know we're, you know, kind of gotten away from relationships a little bit in this discussion of creativity, but uh, I but think, it, but, but, it's, yeah. but it's not, it, it, it does affect relationship. But I do have an example. Where I want you to finish. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I was basically uh, just keeping that in the back of my mind. Um, if, you know, because if people are wondering, you know, okay, so how does this relate to relationships? But if you have a thought, I'd love to hear I, it. I do because ahead, that yeah. border, because this is one of the frustration with women, like they have to do all the work. They have to come be creative. They have to plan all the things and men yeah. don't get creative and leave all the responsibility to the women. And so I remember my first relationship because I definitely struggle with like being creative in my first relationship because my first boyfriend, he was very, I mean, I mean, he, he was very creative. Like he can plan. I, it was, it was my first relationship. I didn't know how to plan. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to plan, come up with gifts. <laughs> and he would even like, if I got him a specific gift, he'd be like, you didn't really think about me. Like he wouldn't <laughs> say things like that. Like you didn't put any thought, any creativity to the, in this gift. And he was right. Like I did it. And I was just like, and it really, even after that relationship, I saw that pattern. Like I had no creativity whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And the people I dated were like always disappointed in me. And I was right, like, right. okay, I gotta like tap into being creative with dates and planning and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so one of the first things I started to do, which became, I just got better at it. I kind of don't, I gotta do still do it. But one of the things I did in my first relationship, I would like, if so, I'm in a conversation with him. I if he said something that he liked or watched or wanted, I would make a mention note and I would keep a list on my phone. So throughout the year, I had all these lists of things that I could either do, make, buy, create. And so mm-hmm. by birthday or Christmas, uh, Christmas time, I had all these ideas of what to do and not do my own thing, but do what this person was asking for for anyway. So it just took the stress off of me and allowed me to take and tap into my creativity of how to just be a better partner. Right. Person I'm dating. Yeah. That's, uh, that's great. I I really like how you made that connection because um, when you mentioned that I started thinking about how that shows up even in my own life today and, uh, for me, it's it, it's like a fear. Of, it's a fear of failure. It's a fear of putting myself yeah. out there, getting rejected. Fear of you know trying something new, which usually requires creativity, <laughs> and then sure. having it not work out. Right, like and and then maybe trying to s- stick to the tried and true method from there. But um, so yeah, I was thinking about that. That was that was uh, a really great connection that you made there. <laughs> and so, our last you know topic, you know, which ties up everything, is uh, yeah. meaning and purpose. You know, yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that Steve Harvey says in his book, you know, uh, Steve Harvey says, you know, men need three things, which I still can't think of the third thing. He was like, we need the nookie, <laughs> and we need your support and our purpose. And if we don't feel that, if men don't feel that you are supporting and cultivating, helping us cultivate that purpose, we don't feel connected to you. Like our purpose in life means a lot to us. And we just want your support, not really to tell us what to do, but well, maybe some men, but 
just knowing that you are there supporting what I'm trying to do and bring to the table. And that's what a lot of men uh, like crave in relationships. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you, so you're, as it relates to meaning and purpose, like you're saying that men create men crave meaning and purpose in relationships. Right. Like yeah. that support in their meaning and purpose. Because without that support, you know, especially in a relationship, they're like, well, what, what am I doing all this for? Mm, you know, yeah. like you don't believe in what I'm doing. You don't support what I'm doing. You don't even come to like that. Cause that really affected like my relationship, my first relationship. He didn't really support my purpose. Didn't really go to my shows. Didn't really come to the things. I mean, he actually, no, I take that back. He, he chose certain things. He wasn't like, I was like, I went to every single thing, no matter how good or bad it was. I was there to be supportive. I gave credit, uh, uh, good criticism like I just wanted him to win I like then that's what I wanted and I didn't feel like he was always there to see me win and that's what I want mm-hmm. in a partner for someone just knowing that someone is not just me seeing me win but who is there like you better do that damn thing you know what I mean yeah, um, yeah. that support is I, I, I want that support mm-hmm Definitely. Yeah, I, I got it. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking in, in how that even shows up in my own relationship um, in which I really enjoy. It's like when I'm not focused on my, you know, what I said, my meaning, right? What I'm focused on, my meaning and right. purpose, what, what I'm really driving at. Uh, my girlfriend often helps bring me back there. Mm. She, and, and not in like a judgmental way, but in a, you know, how is this really helping what your uh, big idea is, what you're mm. really trying to drive at here? Mm, that's good. Yeah. And it shows up once again in, in my in my practice, not just with uh, men who are in that emerging adulthood, but it's often, I think, more difficult to find meaning and purpose, but also even with some of my older clients, the clients who are, you know, 30 plus 35. Uh, and I even see it in my family with my dad, right? Like... Like, what is your, like, meaning? What are you, what's your big game? Like, what are you driving at here? What are you trying to accomplish? Like, are you just sort of um, floating around in the ether? Like, you know, just trying to (laughs) figure it out? Or is there something that you really want to do here? And it's amazing how when we connect with what we are really trying to accomplish in this lifetime, because it is finite, it's limited, and it goes quick, um, how that can be a... Um, springboard for our uh, relationship to go to the next level. Yeah. Because now we have something as a couple that uh, we have an understanding as a couple um, that you're going to, well, that, not that you have to, but that, you know, I hope that you will help me with this endeavor and that you will keep me on this path, you know, yeah. for a higher calling, so to speak. Can you uh, explain the Lion King analysis? <laughs> oh, I love it because it was so perfect for oh, it's what you so talked about. Yeah. <laughs> the meaning and purpose. Yeah, I love this. So yeah, I got this from Jordan Peterson, and it was um, so profound to me when I heard it because it made so much sense. Uh, and once again, this goes back to archetypes and like the roles and patterns that we exhibit in relationships. But anyway, the Lion King is such a great example of of how the female uh, archetype. Uh, can can I guess guide the male archetype because you know you have the two characters Nala and Simba and Simba basically leaves the the kingdom of the jungle 
and he goes and he's hanging out with this warthog and this prairie dog. And what's going on back at the uh, the kingdom is that it's all falling apart because Scar's running it and it's, you know, just evil all around and there's no food and it's dusty and it's like a wasteland. Yeah. Uh-huh. And really Simba is the one who needs to, you know, be called to this action of responsibility, right? That's his meaning and purpose is, is to, is to um, basically save the kingdom. And he's out playing with the friggin' warthog and the prairie dog eating grubs when Nala comes along and, and Nala's like basically sees him and is like so doing? shocked. She's like, Simba, like what are you, what are you doing, doing out here? Like you're the freaking king of the jungle. You're a lion. Like, like basically, like get it together, man. Like you're capable of so much more than you're doing right now. Right. And she reminds him of his purpose. Like your purpose exactly. is to rule. The kingdom, not exactly. out here eating fucking bugs and shit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, that's it. And then, you know, there's these like wrestling scenes and there's this one scene that Jordan Peterson points out where um, he, Simba finally pins Nala and that's like, you know, him coming into his own. Not that you should ever get in physical, you know, <laughs> fights with your partner. Not, not saying that at all, but it's like he finally comes to this realization of, oh wow, okay, I see what's going on here, and 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 I need to basically take this call to action and and assume this responsibility and my meaning and purpose, and to stop gallivanting around in the freaking, you know, jungle with the warthog and the prairie right. dog eating grubs. <laughs> right, and it's, and I, you know, I, I love the image, you know him Simba pinning her and for me that's what came to my mind is when you're with someone because they we all know that they're they're meant to be together yeah and when you look into the eyes of someone you he knows he's meant to be with her yes but you look into the eye of the person one that knows who you are your responsibility your capability and you see that conviction it just reminds you like it's like oh mm. this person sees me yeah knows my purpose sees my purpose um and you know and she didn't even make him wrong in that like what are you, like yeah what are you like what are you doing you know mm. and they didn't have like it wasn't i mean of course it's a movie but they didn't argue back and forth like i'm living my life i'm just gonna be this it's like no it's like <laughs> because some people because it's easy for and i know it's a cartoon but in in the real and to me in my mind in life people will defend that I'm just out here in the wilderness, like eating grubs. I'm going to live my life, grow my hair out, do all the other things. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, she's like, no, like your purpose is to rule the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, this is is your kingdom. You can, you can eat bugs if you want to, but your purpose is to go back to the kingdom and, and, and restore it. Mm-hmm. I like what you said. It's, you know, when you have that moment with your with your partner where you really see each other, this idea of morality fades into the back. It doesn't even exist in that. Like right and wrong, it's, it, it, it doesn't exist. It's really about um, actualizing my potential as a yeah. human being and what I'm truly, really capable of. As a human being, we have yeah. so much power. I mean, it may not seem like that because there's over almost 8 billion of us on this planet, but we have so much, much. power. Yeah. And, um, and, and such a finite, you know, 
lifespan. And so, you know, if you want to go eat grubs in the in the jungle, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, I would be very hard pressed to find that that you're actually really fulfilled doing that. Yeah. I feel like that, you know, at least on some level, there would be some doubt as to whether this is really what I'm supposed to be doing, just because I know at some level what I'm truly capable of. And that's, I think, what our partners can help us get to. You know, what is our calling? What is our purpose? And that's what, you know, me and my girlfriend focus on. My girlfriend has this um, YouTube channel that she's, you know, and it's not easy, you know, doing something like that, putting yourself out there like that. And there's a lot of fear involved and, and maybe there's some rejection and, and it's not going quite where you want it to be. Right. But what is she, what is, what is she committed to? What's her big idea? What is her purpose? And it's, and it's me as my, as her partner, I'd take it as my responsibility part. I am responsible for being a stand for her being committed to that. And it's amazing when each other, the two of you are, are playing off of that in each other. She's helping me do that. I'm helping her do that. How much love comes out of that and yeah. how present we get to be yeah. with each other. It is truly amazing. I, and I wouldn't be able to talk about it unless I actually had an experience with it. That's for sure. It's so hard to put words to it, but that's you know yeah. pretty much what's going on. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I feel like we could be talking about Oh, yeah. I could keep going. I know. <laughs> yeah, we're at an hour and twenty. I think. I know, uh, but I'm gonna come to. We we'll have a part two here. Yeah, we have a part two. Um, but I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions based sure. off what I ask every single person that comes on the show. Perfect. Um, and you just tell me whatever comes to mind. So, what does a life of love mean to you? Hmm. Say uh, a life of love, emotional. understanding and just real quick i want to expound on that because i was reading something this morning i think as human beings we um have this we live these isolated lives and even though and i don't mean isolation i mean specifically no matter what i will never know what your experience is like i can never truly know what you jimmy are experiencing in your life i can never be you and the same thing goes for me you can never be me and no one could ever be me and i think because of that at some fundamental level there's um an isolation comes out of that and a real sadness mm. to, you know because we have such a longing to want to really connect with other people but in love we get to get as close as possible to yeah. truly knowing what it is like to be somebody else well not to be somebody else but what somebody else's life is really like you know it's yeah. amazing they're most authentic purest form of themselves mm. and i think that's what a life of love is all about Awesome. That's so. That's that's really beautiful, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you get out of your own way? Oh man, that's a, that's a good question. A tough one. Um, how do I get out of my own way? Sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we all do. We all no, don't. When I am able to, yeah, when I am able to get out of my own way, it's usually because of my experience, um, taking an honest look at my experience and what the facts of my experience show me. It's like, is the way that I'm being, the way that I've done this over and over again in my past actually brought the result that I wanted to, mm, to bring? That's a good, mm, I love that. And a lot of the times, um, 
it, it, when I'm, you know, no, it doesn't. And when I see it enough times and I experience it enough times, then for me that there comes that willingness to change. Yeah. You know? That's, that's so good. I wish more people would have that approach. Like are the actions that I'm doing, getting what I want and then yeah. have that ability to stop and go, <laughs> these actions aren't <laughs> getting the results that I want and re shift and make a change you know yeah. it would ugh, yeah that's it that's yeah. why we always ask you know therapy is all about goals right and olivia and i you know we did a coaching sessions and and these two couple the couple was arguing with each other right and i just stop and i go hang on a second what do you guys want what do you guys want from this relationship you know and they identify when we want to be happy and free okay is what you're doing right now going to get you to be happy and free no okay so let's set the egos aside and let's get that. Let's, let's really talk. You know, like that's right. it right there. <laughs> right. So, yeah. All right. And next last question is what is, uh, a ju- what does a juicy love life looks like to you? Oh, juicy. I like that. <laughs> Cause when I think of juicy, I think of that, uh, that bubble gum, that juicy bubble oh gum my that God, you yeah. put in your mouth. And it's just like, you can't get enough of it. Right. Like it's so flavorful. It's just overflowing with, with, with juices and sugar and sweetness. And it's just, Oh, you just, I can't eat enough of it at once. Right. I'm just like trying to really suck, suck up all, all of that it has. Exactly. And I'm just enjoying it so much. And I want more and more and more of it. And that's exactly what I think about a juicy love is that I'm so happy and content with, with the relationship that I'm in that I just want more and more and more of it. Mm. And I'm committed to, uh, to, to that, right. I'm committed to finding out how much more we can, you know, create together, how much more we can get out of this, uh, you know, together, not just for myself, my own selfish end, but together, you know, what yeah. can we get together? Yeah. That's what uh, I think about. <laughs> oh my God. So, and finally, where can people find you on social media? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> I would say, yeah. So for myself, um, I do have a uh, Twitter. I was telling Jimmy that uh, for mental health, I I have a stream. It's uh, Astro Casey, A-S-T-R-O-K-C underscore. And that's going to be on Twitch. Oh, I'm sorry. That's actually going to be on Twitter. <laughs> Twitch is just going to be Astro Casey. And also my Relationship Happen podcast with my girlfriend, RelationshitHappens.com. And also Instagram, relationship, uh, relationship Shit. happens. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I called the, uh, real quick anecdote, I called the um, GoDaddy, the people who host our website. And uh, I'm talking to the guy about our relationship, or our, our website. And he's like, oh, I can't say that word. <laughs> and I thought like that was phone, so funny. They're probably yeah. recording. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because right? his work is being recorded. It's funny. Oh, anyway. goodness. Anyway, well, Casey, thank you so much. And probably look forward to part two and coming on your show. I can't wait, man. Yeah, I can't man, wait, me too. Dude, I, I mean, God, energy. this has been great, you know. Um, anyway, so thank you again and uh, thank you for getting to be on the show. Awesome. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.